Yes, coming in hot with the Michael Jordan of episodes, episode 23. It's the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by a man who has a two-sided banner with Ollie out on one side and Ollie at the wheel on the other side. Jobber, how are you, mate? Yeah, look great. What a day it was for football. Um, what a weekend. Everyone's absolutely buzzing. Um, I, 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 I couldn't be in a better mood. Woke up nice and early this morning to watch Manchester United Arsenal, so my day was just made. Um, so what, what are we talking about this week? Big week. All right. So flavor of the pod. So we've got um, we've got an opening question. We've got some weekly happenings. Bit of a quiet week, but there's been some going on. Big week of Premier League um, with two games still to come. And then we're off to the Champions League during the week um, and then into socials. So, yeah, big pod, fully loaded. So why not tick us over with the opening question, mate? All right. So Diego Jota scored again for Liverpool and Thomas Partey was excellent against Manchester United while Donny warmed the pine. It's early days, but who has been the best signing of the season so far and who is the worst signing of the season so far? Hmm. Well, I think I have disregarded the signing part and just gone with who's gone for the best start, um, whether that be your handwriting or in the running order or my comprehension of the question. So um, I'm going to change that slightly. So I've gone with best start to the season. I've gone with Dominic Calvin-Lewin. So I think um, I didn't have high expectations for him or Everton coming in, but um, eight goals in seven games is rather impressive. I think if you go to the slowest start or the worst start so far um, and the expectations are slightly different on this team and this player, Liverpool and Firmino. So, um, yeah, he's only got one goal in seven games. So I think that's probably the worst start. So best start, Dominic, eight and seven. And worst start, Firmino, one and seven. What do you think, mate? Um, yeah, so I'm going to answer the question that was asked. Um, because oh, okay. Answer whatever you want. <laughs> that's, the, that's the point of the segment. So signing of the season so far, I know everyone's like, oh, it's got to be Donny van der Beek. Wrong. I've gone with Callum Wilson from Newcastle. So Callum Wilson's tucked away six goals in a fairly average Newcastle side, but a wonderful start to the season. So I think he's been the signing of the season so far, and he was banging them, banging them away again this morning. Got two this week, yeah. He got two. And my worst signing of the season so far is Edison Cavani. Um, big money, Why? big money, done nothing, had a chance this morning to make an impact, did nothing. And he hasn't even, like, he hasn't, not even put pressure on the starting lineup. So I'm going to dig my heels in and say Edison Cavani. Well, I think you've been a bit harsh there. I think. He hasn't come off um, from a team or any type of games or training inside a squad, so I think that's a little bit harsh. I would have gone with Donny before him. I think Donny's had a clearer run um, at being fit and getting him in rather early, um, whereas, yeah, Cavani was a late signing. So, yeah, a bit harsh there. Good news, yeah. mate. It's going to get a whole lot more harsh as my mood deteriorates oh, over the hour. No. I think, I, think, I think we all see where this is leading. So it's been, it's been a massive week for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So have you seen Ibrahimovic's goal for the from the weekend? Yes, I saw the goal and I also enjoyed his um, IG caption, why run when you can fly? And it's the, the still picture of him um, doing the bike. So, yeah, great goal. Just want to re-emphasize, 39 years of age. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's impressive. Uh, so that was uh, that was him. So he recently beat COVID as well. And then another superstar coming back from COVID was Cristiano Ronaldo. So it was like he's never left. 
Yeah, unbelievable at the moment. Um, he just from coronavirus and he just comes back, scores two. Yeah, and like just didn't miss a beat. Like straight away, Juve like, oh, we're struggling a little bit. Bang, bring the big man back and shit just happens. So big week for him. Um, the other one that I noticed was um, – I don't know if you have Sky Sports at home, but they had a they had a punch return this morning of Roy Keane, Jamie Carragher. I think Jamie Redknapp might have popped his head in. Um, Gary Neville obviously drops two bob in, but Tim Cahill got a mensch. Um, so Tim, <laughs> <I saw. laughs> Tim, Tim popped up on Sky Sports. So Roy Keane's bio is like one. 50 Premier Leagues, and but he did all this record signing from Nottingham Forest. Tim Cahill's bio was finished in top six in four of eight seasons at Everton. Yeah, I mean, it's you read his bio and you think, geez, that's weak. Um, but it's made even worse by the fact that he's sitting next to Roy Keane, and Roy Keane's won all those trophies, and um, yeah, and just had a stellar career. But I think Cahill's career is okay. I just think when you're pulling together a buy of trophies won, um, it's tough to tough to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Roy, Roy was running hot this morning too, so Tim put his sort of two bobs in and said, oh, yeah, no, Arteta's done a good job. And that only served to rile Roy up. So if you haven't had a chance yet, have a look at some of Roy Keane's highlights from yesterday, <laughs> just in regards to the Manchester United-Arsenal game. Yeah, one, one of the comments, um, Cahill said that um, they were emerging um, emerging, and they can see where Arteta is taking them. And then Roy Keane's responded with, um, oh, come on, he's only got a couple of good results and all of a sudden they're the next Bayern Munich. Do me a favour. <laughs> So, um, so the last one, it's been, it's been a tough day for Manchester United, but um, an even tougher week. So 1968 European Cup winner and 1966 World Cup winner with England, Nobby Styles died. And then it compounded as club legend. And I think he was England's greatest or England's second greatest ever goal scorer, Bobby Charlton, over 100 caps, has been diagnosed with dementia. So fairly somber times at Manchester United. Um, really sad news. Yeah, sad news. I think we said off air, it's, it's sad when you see these type of um, players from that era who were so successful and won, won World Cups and a bunch of trophies um, for Bobby at, uh, at Manchester United when they start to age and, um, and these, things, these things happen to them. So rather sad. Um, I just want to swing back to Ronaldo's return real quick. So I saw a stat um, come through my feed that if you score 40 goals a season for 18 seasons – you'll end up with 720 goals. Ronaldo scored 744. So he just continues to impress him. Looking forward to him coming back for the Champions League against Barcelona. Yes. Um, and then I'm looking forward to the socials between um, Juve and Barca after that as well. Yeah, you, you Arsenal fans are a different bunch. All right, so let's get into it. So the weekend fixtures, we kicked off with Wolves versus Palace. Two Wolves 2, Palace nil. What did you think of this one? I thought, well, I said during the week that um, this was a hard one to pick and just mainly because you don't know what Wolves are going to turn up really. But um, when it was nil-nil, did you see the Bashwai offside goal, the one that was disallowed? So disappointing. Just stupid was, from Bashwai. Oh, but how slick was the move? It was. Once but it they, was... they spun the ball out there and whipped it across. Honestly, it was like the passing was just so crisp and the finish was great. But, yeah, he's just offside. But he should be out of time. He's run better. I, I probably agree. He should. But – um. I thought Wolves were absolutely electric. They got me really excited for the rest of the weekend's football, which I was wrong to do. But, like, they were so good. Just looked so slick throughout. I thought Daniel Potence was 
like he just looked world class. He was so much better than everyone else on the pitch. Um, and is it Ayat Nori? Is that how you say it? Nori, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Pedro Neto. They were just having an absolute field day against the Palace defence. And, like, Palace are a hard team to break down too, but Wolves just made them look bang average. Um, did you see uh, Dendonka's strike, the one that cracked against the crossbar? Yes. That would have been a, oh, my God. That would have been some goal if that had gone in too. And I love the noise when it cracked against that crossbar too. Yeah, they were just electric. And I think the the match was summed up by uh, Milovic with his late red card, just absolute frustration, thoroughly dominated, um, really encouraging performance for Wolves. You were okay with the red card? Yeah, I was okay, I was okay with the red card. Yeah. <laughs> Wolves are Wolves, so Wolves, Wolves Wolves fourth now. No, fifth. They're fifth oh, now. Of course. Of course. Wolves into um, fifth now um, because I think you potentially looked at the table before Tottenham played, so they jumped up. But, yeah, Wolves into fifth and a um, bit of a mixed bag still for them. I, I mean, played seven, won four, drawn one and lost two. So interesting times there. Um, all right, should we go to Everton 1, Newcastle 2? Um, no, let's revert back to Sheffield United, nil, Man City 1. So we'll go back oh, you to want to, You want to stick to the running order, do you? Stick okay. to the running I don't like this freedom. I've told you that. Let's set it up and go. So Sheffield United, nil, Man City 1. Uh, Kyle Walker scoring against his boyhood club. Um, what do you think of this one? Well, what did you, firstly, what did you think of um, Kyle Walker's celebration, non-celebration against his old club? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't have minded seeing him whipping his shirt off and running around a little bit, just really stick it up. Sheffield, and Sheffield United are struggling too, so it would have been nice just to say, look look how far I've come and look where you're going. But I don't know. She- what, I mean, Sheffield she- United, yeah, United are struggling this season and going into the game, I thought um, Man City would have done them by a lot more. Like if you looked at... Um, Chef United, they've only got one point this season um, and they're in the relegation zone. So I've, I had in my head that um, Man City were going to do a bigger job on them than, than they did, and I think that's what I predicted as well. But they eked past them um, 1-0, but were rather comfortable. I mean, Chef United weren't that ambitious in, in coming forward. They, they sat deep, which made it hard to break down for um, Man City, and, and that was probably reflective of the goal too, where the goal was from distance um, rather than how Man City scored. 95% of their goals um, getting in behind and, cut and doing cutbacks. So a decent strike by by Walker. Um, as I said, I'm dis- disappointed with his um, lack of celebration against his old club. But Man City just seemed to be putting along in the um, Premier League and sort of just getting it done and just doing enough just to not get blown out um, of, of Liverpool's way um, and, and their form at the moment. They're just sort of hanging on. They're, they're five points adrift from Liverpool, um, but have a game in hand and play them next. So that'll be interesting. I play Liverpool next. Mm. Oh, no. Bloody hell, that'll be big. Yeah, so look, um, I thought like like 1-0 doesn't look great, but City, like this was never in doubt. Like absolutely never. As you said, Sheffield United just defended on top of their box. It was a long-range strike, but City still had a lot of chances um, and could have won this. I think I think if there'd been another goal, like if City had got two, they could have gone on to got three, four, five. Like it just happened to stay 1-0, create a little bit of nerve. But um, Sheffield United have picked up just one point this season for the first mm-hmm. time in 35 years. I think they're in big trouble. Yeah, so they picked up one point all season, and you know, what you say the worst start in thirty five years? Is that yep. right? Yeah, that's right. And they're still not bottom; they're eighteenth. So <laughs> there's some bloody dredge down there. Yeah, 
but they're, they're in big trouble. Like they just they just don't look at the races. No, they got some work to do. I'll tell you who do look at the races, and I know you're a big Frank Lampard fan. Um, Burnley nil, Chelsea three. What did you make of this one? Yeah, I've got a couple of notes on this, mainly um, picking apart your predictions, but we'll get to those. But uh, first off, um, has Mendy had a similar impact to Chelsea as Allison did for Liverpool? He's come in and um, he's got uh, five clean sheets this month. That's only three less than Kepa had all of last season. Yeah. What do you think of Mendy's impact? I'm, I'm just going to pull up the games Chelsea have had since Mendy started. So five games, you're saying. Um, I don't think they've played anyone any good. And that includes Manchester United too, just before you say, oh, what about Manchester United? I haven't really that, been tested. Yeah, that's not in the league. That's um, across all competitions, uh, to oh, be fair. Shit. And, Kep, and Kepa's stat was from only Premier League. So, yep. No, that, that's fair. But all, all I'm saying is there's a bit of an indication, you know, if you're scratching yeah. together. Um, eight clean sheets in a season, um, and, and Mendy's got sort of got a handful um, in his first month. Uh, yeah, I think he's had a, a good impact, and I think his impact is like it's one of those ones where it's, it feels and looks like it's flowed onto um, the centre backs. I think Silver, um, although he had a tough um, debut from then, he's been really, really good for for Chelsea, um, and and he's stacking up the clean sheets. And I'm really happy with um, their right back James as well. He he looks good. He looks so and, sharp. Um, nice and fit. Yeah. He, he looks so bloody sharp on the weekend. Um, he he looks sharp um, and the depth of England's right backs is scary. You could have a pick a first 11 full of right backs, really. Um, so what, what was the highlight in this one for you? Was it um, was it Zayich's goal? I thought Nick Pope should have done better on that. It just confused me and I still can't get my head around it, what Nick Pope is doing. Yeah, well, he's – I don't know. It's like, it's like he got wrong-footed but then – and I still as though he's he just let instead of diving for it, he just let his left foot collapse and sort of fell over. So like yeah. sideways. Does that make sense? Like it he's gone like he vertical. Wrong, but but by what? Yeah, it was no deflection or anything. <laughs> yeah. It just it went through his legs and would have been hard to see. But it it was he was like vertical and then all of a sudden he just gives his left leg away and then just falls straight down in, in his horizontal but still in the same spot. Like he didn't dive sideways at all. Uh, a bit unusual. But, yeah, no, I think Chelsea Chelsea look good. You said that they will, would um, be a spectacular failure this season. Mm, um, sticking to it. Sticking to it. They're looking at the biz, aren't they? Into six. Nah, they're a long way from the business. They were shot against United. Um, they beat Burnley who are – where are Burnley on the table? They're pretty high. Oh, no, wait. It's like in the bottom three on one point and failed to muster yeah, a shot on target. Um, last. But what did get me excited was how athletic is Kurt Zuma? Like that the was, header? Yeah, the header. header. <laughs> Holy shit. He smacked that yeah. on his head. He just looks so, yeah. looks so athletic getting up and like leaping at that. Great header. And great contact. It, like the header was so powerful, like a volley. Like yeah. He just cracked it nice and sweet. Yeah. No, great goal by, by Kurt. Yeah. He's, he's benefiting from um, having silver out there, I think. A lot because yeah. he's and got a howler in him. He does have a howler in him and Mendy behind him, I think. Yeah, but uh, I think Chelsea's starting to pull it together, at least at the back. Um, 
and I think the quality of their their front third will um, just yeah eventually shine through and and click as long as Frank can settle on on, on his best team. But he's just got so many options um, in that front third. He's got as many options in his front third as United do in their middle third. All right, let's reel it in, um, Frank. You arrogant slug. Um, you won't be judged on winning three 0 at Burnley. So let's move on to Liverpool two, West Ham one. Liverpool unbeaten at home in sixty three matches now. Um, what do you think of Liverpool? They look good, don't they? They look real good. I think the most impressive part is that they, even though they went behind, um, that they got it back together and and um, and got the win. So they went behind 1-0 and then ended up winning 2-1 against West Ham. I think I've got a couple of questions here for you, so let me just bear with me while I rattle these off. Is it time for Jota to make his way into the starting lineup and for Firmino to drop out? Yeah, so I've been I've been posting comments um, anonymously on our page with that exact fact. Um, and look, with a mixed reaction, Liverpool fan pages don't like it. Sky Sports people tend to respond more positively. Um, no, I don't know. It's hard because, like, if you point to the goals stat and everyone says Firmino's a libero, number ten, left back, whatever. Um, but it seems to be working for him. He's a bit. He's a bit below his normal levels, but he definitely offers something to that team. So I don't know. And Jota came on, but I had I was talking to my friend before and um, like he just came on. He, there was no like, oh, moping around and start. He came on. His energy was unbelievable. Like you could see he had a point to prove and he's like, I think I should be starting. He came on and he was absolutely electric. Um, so I don't know. I don't I don't think Firmino deserves to be dropped. And like the, the movement from Firmino – it is down his usual levels, but he has been such a good servant for him. Yeah, well, and, and I think that's why he's in the in the team still because he has been a good servant for them. He's done so well for them, um, so I think he's still got a little bit of goodwill before um, Jurgen looks at a change. But I think a change um, isn't too far away, and I think if Jota gets a run in the team, um, especially with the other two next to him, um, either side of him, yeah, I think he can really score some goals. So I think if they bring Jota in. Um, he will obviously score more goals than Firmino will um, playing up top for Liverpool, the best team in um, in England at the moment. I think that will drop goals off Mane and um, Salah's totals, but I think the total of the three, um, they'll get more goals with those three up front. So, yeah, I think an interesting time there for Klopp and, and what decision um, he's going to go with. My next question for you on this game is, how strong is Declan Rice's hairline? <laughs> Extremely strong. So this it's so rigid. It's um, just... he, I've, been, I've been a critic of him in the past. I just don't think he's that good. But I thought he was really good on the weekend. Um, I thought he really tightened it up back there for him, and he was really calm in possession against the Liverpool press. Um, I thought that was the best performance I've seen from Declan Rice in some time. Yeah, I think when they played, um, I think it was Newcastle, he played really, really well as well. So he's got that in him where he can really step up to that level. All he's got to do is string a few of those games together, like instead of those games being the exception, um, yeah, just sort of flip that on, on its head and, and play that level for most of the time and then have, have a drop in form um, every now and then, which is much more tolerable for um, Moisey and uh, and might get him a regular start for, for England. But I think Liverpool were far from full strength. Um, Curtis Jones got his first start in the middle of the park 
And um, and Phillips at, at centre back too. Obviously, Liverpool got a lot of problems back there at the moment, but I thought he did rather well. He spent last year on loan in Bundesliga too, and here he is found his way into the starting lineup of Liverpool. But yeah, I thought Jota was good. Um, had a disallowed goal, and then eventually got his goal. But what about <laughs> the ball from Shakiri? That little slip pass. Yeah, outrageous. That was so. But I, I, Man, there were two factors there. Like Shakiri's played. That's two, what two weeks in a row he's played like a nice pass. But yeah. like, there's two elements for that. Like the, the pass is great from Shakiri, draws the man in, slips it in. That's awesome. But the other thing that I think is separating Liverpool from everyone else is just the movement again. Like the movement in the front three, you can see that they have such an intent to get beyond the back four. Mm. Like, and it's not like one or two. It's every single one of them. Like, it doesn't matter where they pop up. You can see that the intention is to go forward, to get in behind. Like, I just thought Jota was amazing, like his energy and his running and his intent when he came on, and that was just reward for that. Yeah, you've got that with the front three, but you've also got it with the wing backs as well. Yeah. Um, they, they often run running behind the, the back four. Um, plus, you've got, like, uh, Henderson making those third-man runs, especially when he doesn't play at the base of the midfield. So, yeah, like a much... Liverpool, um, I think Klopp said that he's going to, um, he's not going to defend the Premier League title. He's going to attack it, and I think you can see that with um, the way that they've started. All right, so I'll give you a quote here, and you tell me who said it. I think our player stops and throws his arms up because he's so disappointed about the dive. What do you think that's in relation to? And was it a penalty? <laughs> um, so that's obviously Moisey, Moisey. Um, complaining about that. I did see his um, presser at the end, so I think that's a bit unfair. I was always going to get that question. But, I mean, that is, in my head and in my world, that is not a penalty. But I think if we're living in 2020 and watching the Premier League as we have been watching, that's a pen every day of the week. So I think in the context of, what all the penalties that have been given this year and the VAR world we live in, that is a penalty. But I mean, for your football purists, that is not a pen. No, what do I, you think? I, I've been I've been accused of a uh, heavy anti Liverpool bias in the past, but like, my God, football's gone crazy, hasn't it? Like Graham Souness is saying Mo Salah's diving for penalties. Like, what's wrong with twenty twenty? Yeah, like Graham Souness, the most one eyed biased bigoted commentator, you know, and he's like, most sellers taking dice for pens, but I don't know. I suppose, yeah, as you said, like that, the bar has been set, so. Yeah, that's it. And so I think like, um, who was the lad who gave it away? His name escapes me at the moment, but. Um, check was it? No. no, it wasn't. Um, he, but he threw his hands up in the air and the commentator said live that um, he's turned around with the look of guilt Um and almost as if you have to give a penalty for this. So I think Moyes and um, potentially Martin Tyler have a different interpretation of, uh, of that tackle. <laughs> you don't yeah, want to be on think, the other side of Moisey. You don't. But I think in the context of where we are and the game we have in front of us, I think that is a penalty every day of the week, Given if you look at it through with the context of where we're at. Yeah. Look, it was it, uh, it was Masu. Masu Aku, who gave away the pen. And it, 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 I, think, I don't know. It just looked like a bit of, oh, God, not this again. Um, more so than I've given away a pen. Um, yeah. But, yeah, look, I think Liverpool would have won regardless, so it probably doesn't matter in the long run. But, yeah, it's just it's frustrating to see so many penalties, and I think it's taken away from, like, good dribblers are not dribbling as much anymore because it's easier to go down. Um, 
but that's just the game we live in. So moving on to what turned out to be the match of the round. Aston Villa 3, Southampton 4. Was Southampton's first half the performance of the weekend? If you, if you just um, if you just look at 45 minutes, I would probably agree with that. When, when they were in full flight there, they were they looked really, really good. Um, but, geez, the match swung, didn't it? Like uh, this match, like the momentum went between the two teams. Only It only changed hands sort of once or twice. Like it wasn't. It wasn't a game of two halves, but it wasn't like swinging back and forward either. Um, yeah, I just think both teams had sort of two goes at running the game. And, geez, there were some goals in there. Um, and I tell you what, James Ward-Prowse. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh. Wow. The second one, he really wrapped in, didn't he? Nice and flat, really wrapped it in. Let's go. But the first one was magic. Go, go back oh, further. Right. I want to go back to the corner. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, that corner was more glass. Vestergaard smacked it in, same as Zuma, like almost a volley. And then it was James Ward's Browse birthday as well. And he's tucked okay. away. Oh, honestly, you just don't see like enough of that. Like two free kicks and a corner. Just stunning. Unbelievable from Ward's Browse. Unbelievable. Um, and then Danny Ings' finish was magic as well. Oh. It just didn't stop coming, did it? Holy yeah. shit! Um, yeah, like I just I could not believe the the goals in this game. Like if you're going to go back and watch the highlights, do yourself a favour. Um, Danny's goals are ridiculous. Yeah, he wrapped his hidden from the top of the box, right foot, bent into the top corner. But a bit worryingly for Southampton is Ingsy picked up an, an injury and got um, got sacked off, didn't he? Yeah. Have we heard anything about this? Is he um, is he done? I don't know. He had ice on it um, and came off. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Ralph Hassenhutl gave a worrying injury update post-game. about it. Yeah, he said it doesn't look good. So I don't think that's lost in translation either. The – okay. (laughs) No, because his English is all right. It's just the pitch of his voice is a bit high. Um, So what I found interesting here too was um, Villa obviously lost um, 4-3. Um, and at one stage was three, no, four nil down as well. Um, but interestingly, they had 56% possession. And the other thing is Jack Grealish, one man of the match. What are your thoughts on that? (laughs) Honestly, like you could have showed me the two halves and I would have thought they were different days. Like, although Villa, Villa were good, they just decided not to defend. They had, um, on top of your 56% possession stat, they actually had 19 shots and 10 of them were on target as well. And Jack was absolutely pulling the strings. That's what made this game so wonderful. Um, I don't really have a problem with, um, although maybe Ward's prowess is a little bit hard done by, um, you know, banging away a double of free kicks and the assist, assist. on the corner. Yeah. And, like, he was pulling the strings. But, yeah, Jack was good. Like, Villa Villa were good. They just decided they didn't want to defend anymore. Yeah, Jack was good. But I think Ward-Prowse, there's, he, he was definitely man of the match for, for me. So, Villa down into seventh and off to Arsenal next. Um, Southampton up into fourth and Newcastle next for them. So, a rather good-looking season start for Southampton. Um, 
think uh, Ralph had to turn some things around after they got battered by Leicester. But since then, um, yeah, they've got sort of, I think they're the second or third in the uh, amount of points gained um, since that game. So, yeah. I reckon, I reckon someone's predicted them for a big season this year. I'm not sure who it was, but, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure someone predicted them to be a bit of a dark horse. Red hot tip, it was me. Um, no, nah, they, they were excellent. Um, that first half, just irresistible. Villa weren't bad either, but let's go on to uh, your story of the week. <laughs> and I think someone might have predicted this as well too. Newcastle 2, Everton 1. What did you make of this one? And is Steve Bruce in line for the England job? Uh, no, Brucey is not in line for the England job. Um, so I suppose where do you start, really? But um, what about the um, made in Bournemouth goal, the second one? Um, <laughs> Fraser over to um, Wilson um, and a nice finish. Um, what did you think of the Wilson penalty? Where so it's a corner um, from the left hand side, and he's just sort of jumped into the defender. Um, blindside when he, the defenders tried to clear it and he's just gone through the back of Wilson. Are you, you thinking penalty for that? No, I wasn't. I, I, you I, weren't? No, I, I'm not comfortable with penalties being given anymore. Even actually go back one step in the Villa game, I didn't think Jack really should have had a pen either. But I, I didn't think it was a pen. But I will take your first point and run with that. Newcastle looked so rapid on the break, Everton just couldn't handle it. That Ryan Fraser... Absolutely burned. I can't think who it was. It might have been Yuri Mina, but I can't think. But geez, he looked quick. Slipped in behind, crossed the goal. Like that was brilliant from Newcastle. And in the first half, um, St. Maximin had a good chance on the counter as well. Yeah, it was um, it was Kenny who he burnt down uh, the um, left hand side for Newcastle. Yep. Yeah. No, and like Newcastle on the counter attack just looks so dangerous. Um, credit to them, they were brilliant. But uh, yeah, the the honeymoon's over at Everton now. Liverpool gone above them. Poor well, they, they did. Um, they have. They've had some changes this week, though. In the in the midfield, I think like Delph come in and Sigerson come in. Um, so a couple of changes there. Dominic Calvin Lewin got his um, goal though, didn't he? And <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I thought was a bit unusual was um, Pickford didn't play this game. Um, because he's a bad keeper. Yeah, is that why? <laughs> yeah. Just a terrible keeper, yeah. Well, what's the, what's the actual story outside of being a bad keeper? No, I'm not sure. They, um, I don't think they they released anything. But, um, yeah, he didn't start. He was on the bench and, and Olsen started. Um, but I, there was no sort of context to that. That's I why. wonder if it's um, – because I know Liverpool fans were putting together a petition to go to Parliament. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. He did pick up some um, – Security during the week, Pickford after after some um, some threats there, but um, yeah, Wilson looks like a bargain, doesn't he? I think it was a little bit cheeky with him jumping in front and picking up that pen. Um, as we said, the the Fraser ball to Wilson um, made in Bournemouth scored in Newcastle, um, and Carlo he, he's gone with a bit of a um, for the post match. He went with a blue trench and he's gone that gone that over the jacket, and then under the jacket he also had a grey sweat. So a nice little setup there from uh, Carlo. What do you think of his outfit? Yeah, probably better than his midfield setup this week. Um, now, yeah, he, he looked so disappointed at the end of the game, um, even after Andy Carroll almost pinched it for him. But yeah, yeah no. the, um, the corner he got oh. headed away and headed it oh, back. He's, um, he's... Darlow. Darlow had another good game, didn't he? He did. He looks a good keeper. Mm. 
Um, all right, so let's let's move on um, to what would be the disappointment of the week. Manchester United nil, Arsenal one. What do you think of this one? Well, do you want me to go first, mate? Oh, maybe I'll go first because, um, and then that way I've got time to um, wind you up if you carry on too long. But um, yeah, Arsenal had not won at Old Trafford in 14 years. They have now. Um, I thought both teams had some some chances. Obviously, the most of the chances fell to Arsenal, um, and I think based on the amount of chances that Arsenal had um, and didn't take advantage of. Um, I think Saka had a great chance with a header. Um, William hit the hit the bar. Um, Arsenal could have done a little bit more damage to um, United. What a signing Gabriel is um, at the heart of their defence. I think they only paid twenty five for him, um, and he's looking like a real bargain. I think if you go into the market, most of the defenders and what's popular inside the market at the moment um, is ball playing and some cultured centre backs. But I mean, he's just no nonsense, um, and he loves defending. And he stepped in front of um, of Rashford a bunch of times and, and picked the ball off him. So I thought he looked good. Um, do you want to cover the pen? I, I think a pen. Do, do you with on Pogba's tackle? Uh, on I suppose in 2020 world, it's a pen. But, but my, problem, pen, yeah, my problem with the pen, so this is the – like the problem with this game is we're talking about the pen, um, is that Pogba steps on his foot. Yep, granted. Bellerin takes another step and then another step down. and then yeah. goes down. Like I don't know. I think if you look at that on the video again and you're the referee, you're like, mm, I probably don't think – like if you can take two steps – at that stage, a professional athlete could probably rebalance themselves. Um, oh, I agree. I agree. But the contact came. Bellerin knew the contact was there. It's inside the box. He's, and then if the rate that penalties are getting given out at the moment, I mean, um, if you're a professional, you're getting paid to win, he's obviously going to go down and take the penalty, which he did. And um, Abba um, stepped up and, and scored a, a nice pen, hit the side netting. But um, Arsenal dominated the game, really, and controlled the game, um, which I, I think I saw that coming. But what I suppose the biggest talking point is, um, for me, I think Ollie had a good setup and a good game plan where he played the four in, um, in defence and had two sitting in front. Um, and he seems sort of settled on McTominay and Fred in there. Um, and then from there, you can sort of launch counterattacks forward. It was working in, in Europe, um, and they had a, a okay result every now and then in the Prem doing that. And so he finally seemed settled on a team and on a style. Um, and I think that team and that style would have worked rather well against Arsenal because Arsenal were going to dominate the ball and, and dominate the game. And so I think if Man United wanted to sit in and hit him on the counter, um, I think this would have been the perfect game and the perfect style to do that against Arsenal. I think Oli bottled it because they were at home and he wanted to push forward and sort of thought, I can't hand over the ball at, at home. Um, so he sort of looked too much into it and he's gone with some weird diamond that didn't look didn't look very cohesive at all. And it looks like he's sort of shoehorning in his best players rather than settling on a system and, and slotting the players into the system. Um, well, at least in that game and that um, in that context um, just on the weekend. But, I mean, playing playing that weird diamond, um, especially when your wingbacks don't want to get forward, all, all the strikers and um, just looked isolated at, at various times. Um, so I thought that was 
not the best move. Um, and then the last thing I've got here is sort of Matic and Tom- McTominay ended up on the pitch at the end. And I'm just starting to question, is that really what you needed when you were 1-0 down um, chasing the game with two holding midfielders there and, and playing it back four? I don't know. Just questions, more questions than, than answers, got, really. I thought I've the whole thing. I've got so many questions, um, and I have so much to get off my chest, but I just don't think there's time. Um, so I'll hit on the key ones. So the subs, terrible, stupid. Um, I didn't understand why. So actually, no, we'll go back to the formation. So the right. So I. I don't know what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's thing. I don't think anyone does. Um, but I think at this point in time, I've probably got as much of a chance of becoming as a world-class manager as he does. So Aaron Wambasaka plays right back. Um, he's not a good ball player, right? We know this. So then why would you put your defensive midfielder, who you know is good at winning the ball back and giving it to the good players, in front of him? Not that that defensive midfielder has ever played right midfield. But I think the idea was to try and stop Aubameyang from cutting in to do like he does and then stop Saka. But I'm like, it just didn't make sense. Like, Arsenal aren't good enough for you to have to do that. Like, you could have just played your normal formation without McTominay trying to chewhorn into some weird right midfield position that he never looked like. From the first minute, he looked uncomfortable and lost out there. And then yeah. Martin Saka can't play out very well. Everyone knows that. Um, so, yeah. like it just, can, can I just jump in there? So I think it, he should have looked at um, Arsenal the week before where they dominated the ball against Leicester. It didn't create many chances. So I don't think Oli needed to be scared of, of you know, what uh, Bamiang out on the left and, and change his team and have McTominay dropping in there to stop that. No, I, I agree 100%. I think that, like, I don't even think Ollie needed to really look at the Arsenal team sheet. Like, honestly, on the face of it, and you look at the two sides, you just be like, let's just go out and do what we want to do. We've got better players. We've got a better team. Like, why Why are you so worried about what Arsenal are doing? Like, you ha- like you've had a great performance during the week. You've had, um, like, you've got way better players. Just go out and play football. Like, don't overcomplicate it with weird formations trying to get these people in the right spots and massage egos. Just play the best team in the shape that you want to play. Like, Pep, like, there's not, there's a bit of variability in Pep's side, but you can sort of follow where he's going. Same with Liverpool. Like, Liverpool are going to play that 4-3-3 most weeks. Um, and there won't be a huge deal of variability. Be, like, whoever they play, that's how they play. And they're very yeah. good at it. Just get very yeah. good at that and play like that. Don't – like, that – like, he was trying to – oddly trying to fit players in. But, like, you know, he said he was trying to fit his best players in. They're not his best players. And that's not well, his best formation. He's just no, got saying- his worst players and his worst yeah. formation. But I was saying that in terms of getting Pogba in. Pogba yeah. hasn't been in the team, and I feel like to get him into the team, he's had to go to a diamond. But, yeah, I completely agree with your point about um, if you look at Liverpool and Man City, they've got a system, a process, and a formation, um, and they've got players that they went out and got, and they put those players in the formation, whereas at Man, Man United it looks the other way, where they're buying players and then like, right, got these players, <laughs> now how do I put them in as a do you remember in high school he used to line up and you'd have to pick teams and then you'd be like, you'd get on the you know, the pitch at the stadium and you're like, all right, how are we going to set up to win this game? And eventually you'd play yourself at centre forward. That's how, This is basically where this is going. Like it just seems – he seems so unclear as to what he wants to do with these players. And you can't say, oh, I haven't got the signings, I haven't got the money. Like you've got all those things. Like you just – like, figure it out. You're the manager, and ultimately you're accountable. The other thing that was so disappointing was the attitude of the Manchester United players. Dreadful. 
like so bad and lazy. Like just like the thing about Liverpool that's so good is how much they try and they don't stop trying. And from the first minute to the last minute, you see like Mane's trying to get in behind. Robertson's doing doggies. Like I just didn't see anyone from Manchester United throwing their hand up being like, I'm going to try and win this game. I'm going to drive us forward. I'm going to put something extra in. Like it's just so bad. And ultimately those are a failure of leadership. Yeah. What did you think of the two of the three substitutions? So they brought Cavani and Donny on at the 75th minute and had Matic on at 62. So confusing. So like so Bruno Fernandes had a like a rough game. Um he was basically anonymous, but like he's the most likely player in the Manchester United team to create a chance. And it just seems so weird to hook him. And again, like the defense wasn't under a great deal of pressure. So if you if you've decided now that you're Pep Guardiola, like go to three at the back or something, like you know, throw throw everything at him. Like give him something to think about. But it was just like weird workman life changes. And he hooked Mason Greenwood to yeah. bring, like the only player who like adds a bit of width, adds a bit of an X factor. Um it was just it was so confusing. When you say that um, Ollie needs to work it out, like if you went back to a week ago, for me it looked like he worked it out. He he worked out that he needed to have the four with the two in front. And yes, um, Donny wasn't in that team, and um, yes, Pogba wasn't in that team. But it looked like it worked, and they were settled, and they knew what was happening. Um, but then he's just gone and flipped it and changed it. So and. The difference for me with those two teams, so PSG and RB Leipzig, the difference with those two teams is they think that they're better than Manchester United and they'll keep trying to play. Like they're going to be, they're going to get on the front foot. They're going to play the attacking football. And Manchester United can hit them on the counter, which is what they're good at. We know that's what they can do. Yeah, but that's what Arsenal think. Arsenal think that they were going to retain the ball the whole time and, and play. And that's why I'm saying if they had done the same thing, they would have beaten them. I don't think like Arsenal had less of the ball. Like Manchester, the the bulk of possession was in Manchester United's back four, and Arsenal were pressing real. Like Lacazette's press was really good. Um, I I think there was like Manchester United weren't good enough to hold the ball for long periods because Arsenal press was decent. Like it just they didn't. Arsenal weren't trying to play. Well, they might have been trying to play. Maybe they weren't good enough, but they were really good at breaking stuff up. So I just don't think that Arsenal were like Arsenal aren't at the quality level of RB Leipzig and PSG and aren't you know, imposing themselves on the game like they are. Um, potentially they wanted to, but I just didn't think they could do that. Yeah, the well, I think... were able to do that, and that's how Manchester United beat them on the counter. Yeah, but I think if um, Man- you know, I didn't play that formation, played with a two at the base instead of one at the base, and and sort of let Arsenal have it and come on to them, I think they could have done that same job and got the result. I just think that wasn't a palatable game plan if you're Ollie at home. But I think just tuck your pride away and, and go and get the result because I think playing that style with that team would have done Arsenal. Arsenal would have stepped forward um, thinking they could pass the pass the ball through Man United and you just punch them on the counter. Right, uh, so I mean, that, that, that's what I got. So, so, so Ollie, right? So let's go to Ollie. So 100 games now, um, 55 wins, 21 draws. 24 losses. Is he in trouble or are they going to stick with him? Or does he is he in that stage where he's sort of just doing his job's in trouble and then he wins a couple of games and everyone forgets about it and thinks, okay, we're settled. 
and then he gets in trouble again. Are we at that stage, or do they pull the trigger? I think we're in trouble. I, th- I think he's well. The only thing that's saving him right now is the Champions League because Manchester United uh, haven't won at home in seven. Um, like 15th in the league, like whether or not you're succeeding in the Champions League, the optics of being Manchester United and being 15th in the league are not good for your job. No. Um, I think, I think honestly, I think his time's close to up. And I think it needs to, like we're in November, so if you're going to do it, you need to do it soon so that whoever comes in has a couple of weeks to look at the players and then January to be like, sorry, Jesse Lingard, you haven't got a future here. Sorry, Scott McTominay, you might not be up to first team. Paul Pogba, let's take 100 mil, catch you. Um, like, do you know what I mean? Like, you you need to give the person coming in um, the ability to, like, be successful from the outset. Like, don't hold off too long because you're trying to help people. Like, I think they need to make a decision. I just don't think he's up to it. I think everyone knows that. Um, yeah, it's – but, look, I don't want to spend the whole show on uh, Manchester United. So, for Arsenal, I thought they were impressive with what they have. Um, as you said before, I thought Party Holding and Gabriel were outstanding for Arsenal. Yep, agreed. Arsenal, um, big tick, good result. Um, Man, you have some um, more questions and answers at the moment, and we've also got an email from uh, Roger we need to dive into later, but we won't spend any more time on that. Let's go off to title challenges, Spurs 2 versus Brighton 1. What are your thoughts on this one? Bale's back, baby, isn't he? Hey, and you wrote him off. You said he looked stupid in the number nine shirt. Well, I said he looked stupid in the number nine shirt, oh. and then now I'm looking at him. He's got to dye his hair. He's got some greys going through there. It makes him look so old. Have you heard, have I don't, you, want, I don't you, want to see him with long grey hair. It looks bad. It's a bad look. Have you heard the fable that he's bald? Yeah, yeah. He's also got the ninja knot on top. Yeah, so. just keep an eye on that grey and bald. The dynamic duo. You don't want that. But no, it looks Spurs. Flying, aren't they? Gareth got him out of trouble. Um, they were probably a bit hard done by for the goal, to be honest. That looked like a foul. And even after the referee looked at the monitor, I was like, I think that's a foul. But Oh, my God. How does that happen, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> it was weird. It was well, yeah, really weird. Yeah, weird. But Spurs started well and, and got their goal um, and initially, initially controlled the game probably about 30 minutes. And then from then, the game just swung completely to – um, Brighton's uh, favour. I think they sort of had the game on their terms, which is a little bit misleading from the result. Um, yeah, a bit weird on the no foul when they went to check it on VR because I thought it was a foul live. So then obviously when he has three or four looks at it, um, I'm surprised that that wasn't. But that made it one all. Um, and, yeah, then Bale comes up, comes off the bench and, and scores to get Spurs the win and, and they're winning Spurs are winning games that um, they previously wouldn't, aren't they? So I think they're looking rather good. Um, and do you think they're going to challenge Liverpool? I don't think they'll overtake Liverpool at any chance, but I think they'll they'll give them a scare. Yeah, I think I think I think Spurs will be right up there. They seem to have found a nice balance, and obviously with Kane, Son, Bale, um, they're always going to be a chance. But yeah, I think I think they'll fairly comfortably finish in the top four the way that everyone else seems to be sort of falling around them. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll they'll go close, but I don't think they'll get um, overtake Liverpool at all. But um, will someone come in for um, Lamptey soon? He's stringing together some good performances at right the Chelsea, back. Does Chelsea have a buyback? And I suppose it doesn't really matter if he's not a striker. They probably don't want him. But um, possibly, but I suppose he's, he's at a pretty good place right now. Uh, yeah, I, I think, well, even if he, I don't think, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if Chelsea would want him based on how well Reese James is going there. 
Like yeah. they're, they're similar players. We're sort of marauding right backs. Um, and I'd probably pick Reese James over Lempty. But, yeah, I'm surprised that um, – I'm not surprised yet, I suppose, but I think if it drifts on for his form continues and it goes to season or two and he's still there, um, I think that would catch me by surprise. The other thing I wanted to cover was Matt Ryan was left out of the team for the first time in a long time and uh, Roberto Sanchez got the got the nod um, and got the gloves. Anything to worry there for Matt or just a, a rotation? don't know. Good name, but um... – yeah, I don't know. It's, maybe it's a rotation. I don't think Matt Ryan's done a whole lot wrong. Like, nothing sticks out in the memory, does it? Yeah. Um, but no, look, it's never good if you're a keeper and you get dropped. So, no, not good. So, Spurs into second um, with West Brom next. Tick, three points. But then they go and play um, City, Chelsea, and Arsenal. So, I think that'll sort them out in the next four games or so. So, you got some uh, Europa League games wedged in between them. But, yeah, that's the next Premier League run for them. So we've got two matches tomorrow. So obviously um, the big one, if you're willing to get up at, uh, what time you got? 3. 3 a.m. So you will get up and you will see Fulham versus West Brom. And then uh, I don't think we'll talk too much about that. Um, wouldn't be a game that I'll be getting. Oh, no, I won't get up for that. Leeds. You don't get up for that. that. Get up at 7 a.m. for the Leicester game, mate. Bloody <laughs> hell, Leicester Leeds, huh? What a time. Cool your jets, mate. So what are we looking at? We've got, uh, where's Leeds? 7 a.m. Leeds are currently sitting pretty in 12th and Leicester are 8th but could go as high as 2nd with a win. Who do you like in this one and why Leeds United? Uh, Leicester by a long way and they'll rocket back up into 2nd and um, be hot on the heels of Liverpool. No, I think this will be interesting. Um, it depends what um, if uh, Brendy has any more... Um, players available to him. There's a long injury list at the moment at Leicester. So, um, yeah, it depends if um, yeah, Sion Chu's back, if, if Madison's uh, fit to play 90 minutes and um, and how Vardy is feeling. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit hard to see without um, seeing Leicester's starting lineup. But it'll be a cracking game, I think, this one. Mm. One for the purest, I think. Um, one of the legends, like one of the managerial legends of the game. And Marco Bielsa. Um, I'm really excited. <laughs> but look, let's not spend too much time on that. Um, let's get into the real deal. So Champions League. We kick off with Real Madrid versus Inter Milan. Who do you like in this one and why? Oh, this big fixture, and this is why we love the Champions League, these two um, huge teams um, playing each other, which is really, really exciting. Um, I, initially, I'd probably say Real if you're looking at their league form, but if you look at their start in the Champions League, um, two games, one point, they're, they're struggling, aren't they? But um, Inter aren't doing much better um, with only two points. So, yeah, I think all still to play for in this game and because it's in Madrid I am going to go Real but yeah cracking game what are your thoughts yeah I think Real Madrid could do this in a canter Inter just seem a bit um they just don't seem like themselves and they seem to be they're they're doing okay in the league but it seems to be a heavy reliance on Lukaku for the goals um Christian Eriksen came out this week and was having a sook saying that Conte is not playing him so I think that could be a bit of a distraction so um it'll be very interesting to see how this one goes but I think Real Madrid should do it yeah. fairly comfortably okay it'll be interesting to see Mourinho's reaction because um he wasn't playing him at uh, Spurs either and he said that um he wasn't really up to it and sure enough he's gone to Inter and has been proven correct by Conte but um the other tie in this in this one 
I know we're not going to cover it in any great detail, but Shakhtar and Mutch um, and Gladbach. So if Shakhtar win, they can go to seven points. And if the other game's a draw, I think it's, it's going to be really tough for both of those teams to qualify, which I think at the start of this group, you would tip those two teams. So mm, interesting times there. But uh, let's go on to, I'd say probably the round, the fixture of the round, Atalanta-Liverpool. So Atalanta at home. What are your thoughts on this? I think you're 100% right. This is the match of the round. Um, I'm genuinely so excited. So this one is on Wednesday at 7 a.m. So you have to choose between this one and Real Madrid, unless you're one of those people who can watch two screens and sort of watch neither game. Um, I actually like Atalanta in this one. Um, they're both teams currently undefeated. Obviously, Liverpool now top of the league. But oh, Atalanta could potentially be the best team in Europe to watch. Um, you heard that here first. They're not flying in the league. They're doing okay. So they've won four out of six. But um, like Papagomis, I thought Duvan Zapata last week was just unbelievable. Like the, he turned the game on its head. Um, so I, I think Atalanta can get up in this one. What do you think? Yeah, I think Liverpool will get this done. Um, I think they're in great form. I really enjoyed their their game um, during the week. Um, happy with their form. Nice, deep squad sitting pretty at the top of this group. Um, but I don't think this will break Atalanta um, dropping points here. I still think they'll go through. Um, they're three points clear of Ajax and uh, Michelin is the other two teams in this group. So, yeah, I think Liverpool to get it done, but still Liverpool and Atalanta to go through this group. Yeah, I think it's a cracking game. Don't miss this one. Um, so the next one's the big one. So Istanbul Basak Shahir versus Manchester United. Um, what's all you going to go with, and why are Basak Shahir favourites? Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Ollie might go with the uh, Christmas pudding with um, <laughs> Pogba. Pogba is a sixpence, but who knows what, who knows what formation he's going to roll out? No, if he goes back and plays the style um, of sort of counter-attacking football. Um, that he has been playing in the Champions League, I think he can get some, do some real damage here, um, and potentially seal their place into into the next round. That they, they could go three from three, and be and be top of the group here. Um, and especially with RB and, and PSG playing each other, um, someone's going to take some points off someone else, which will be interesting. So yeah, they can really put a gap here and and get through. So a great chance for Manchester United. And I'm probably not brave enough to tip them, but I think if if Ollie sticks to his guns and does what he has been doing, and doesn't bottle it, he should be able to get it done. What do you think? Yeah, um, Basic Shahir were not horrible against PSG, but I think PSG were just bad against Basic Shahir, so that sort of got him out of it a bit. But they're currently um, currently without a goal, Basic Shahir. And they've conceded no four, no points, no goals. United have six points and seven goals. I think United should get home fairly comfortably in this one. But I think it's a good chance to roll out this, um, and we will touch on this later, good chance to roll out the Rolls-Royce midfield with Van der Beek, Fernandez, and Pogba and see if we can start getting this working um, for the sake of the fans, if nothing else. Yeah, Van, Van der Beek will start this game, and I think you'll see Cavani's minutes increase here as well. Um, but let's go to the other tie in this group, RB versus PSG. This one's on a knife edge, isn't it? This one is on a knife edge. I genuinely – this is a really good game as well. Um, the big question for me is will Neymar play? And I don't think he will. Apparently he's out for a couple of weeks with a groin injury. So does that make RB Leipzig favourites? No, it does not. 
I don't know about that. So I, I think without Neymar, PSG just obviously you're taking out potentially the if you're doing a rankings, I'd say probably the third best footballer in the world. Um, but I, I don't know. I, like RB had a horrid time last week and they lost their leading position on the table for the Bundesliga on the weekend. So I think they're right to bounce back. Um, I think they'll win this game against a Neymarless PSG. What do you think? Okay. Well, I think um, PSG will get it done. I think based on what I've seen um, of RB, granted it isn't a lot. They have not been great. Um, I'm interested to see what jacket Nagelsmann rolls out um, and could he just go with the plain black to sort of pull his head in a bit and get results back on track. But these two teams both locked on three points and I am tipping tipping, uh, PSG to get it done here. All right, let's go to Chelsea versus Wren. So I've picked this one out for a reason. So Chelsea are obviously flying, um, but this one is the Mendy Derby. So obviously he's kept five clean sheets. Wren's league form is not bad. They're currently sitting in third. Not that it matters in League One because we already know the PSG are champions. But um, no, Wren have got some handy players. So if you're, if you're up on, uh, what is it, Thursday morning? Um, there's actually a couple of young blokes running around for Wren uh, who are quite good. So Kamavinga is one to keep an eye out for. But I do think that Chelsea might have a little bit too much for him. Wren um, currently only have one point um, and Chelsea have four goals forward, none against. Um, and I think that they'll get enough. They'll have enough going forward to get this done. What do you think? Yeah, just to get this done, they're in really good form at the moment at home and they will get it done and stay top of Group E. All right, so the last one that we're going to look at is Manchester City versus Olympiacos. So Manchester City played two, six points, coasting in what is a fairly easy group. Um, what do you think about this one? And can Olympiacos do anything? <laughs> no, I think um, Olympiacos are in for a bit of a battering in, in this one. I think if you look at City's form so far this season in Europe, it's been exceptional. Um, they've been much better in Europe than they have in the league. Patchy start to the season in the league. But, yeah, if you isolate it to European football, they look the biz. And I think um, Pep's really shooting for this for this trophy. So I think he'll roll out a full-strength team and they will really get hold of Olympiacos here. I don't think there is much hope for Olympiacos. Yeah, look, I tend to agree. City at home um, playing in front of an empty stadium, so the usual for them. But I thought they were really, really good against Marseille. They weren't great against Sheffield United on the weekend, but against Marseille, they could have put a cricket score on them. And I reckon they will, as you said, I reckon they'll get a hold of Olympiacos here and probably put three or four, maybe even five past them. There you go. All right. You've got mail. You've got mail. Mailbag time, mate. Yeah, it's been a while. We're going to have to dive right in deep here. So we've got some got some correspondence here from Roger. Um, Roger, and by the way, we had to restock the printer for this email too. Yeah. Um, all right. So where do I start? So the question is, how do Manchester United's best midfield all get on the park together? I'm thinking a diamond is the only way. The only way. With a high split, two strikers up top. Lineup goes Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw. The midfield of Fred at the base, Donny on the 
left as I'm looking at the screen. Pogba on the oh, so will be Pogba on the left, Donny on the right of the diamond, Bruno at the top, Rashford and Martial up top. Then you have the question of Cavani fitting in. He's deaf more suited up top with the three and behind. So I'm reading this verbatim too. I don't talk like this. He's deaf more suited to up top with the three in behind. Can Pogba and or Donny sit in and play two number tens? Can Manchester United risk not having the block of two screen the black the back four? Playing the one six is by far the best result for them when going forward. So the questions are, can Donny yeah. go box-to-box with Pogba in the hole and Bruno as the 10? Donny's numbers in terms of metres covered are huge when he's on Cavani's up top with Bruno behind and Martial and Rashford either side is very strong. Donny and Pogba, the other two mids, would be brilliant, but that exposes Manchester United's tardy centre-back. Good use of tardy. Um, I'll let you have a go at that first yeah. and then I'm going to break it down. Okay, well, let me go first. So that team that um, Roger just named was the team that Manchester United rolled out on the weekend when they were so terrible, except for only two items. So he had Donny in, um, whereas McTominay was in, in in this setup, and he had Martial in, but I think Greenwood started on, on the weekend instead because Martial is still suspended. So... I don't think a diamond is the answer. I touched on this on the pod last week. I think Manchester United are better off going with uh, four at the back. And I think the four that he played on the weekend, Wan-Bissaka, Shaw, Maguire and Lindelof is their best four back there. I think that's set. And I think you play two at the base to start with. Um, You find your momentum, find your form, um, sort out the the defence and and then build from there. And I think the evolution of that midfield is then you flip it from two at the base to one in front to being one at the base and two. So I think Fernandez plays in all forms of that. I think when you're starting at the base, you probably go with um, Fred and McTominay or Fred and Matic at the base. Um, and I think as it evolves, you keep one of those at the base and you bring Pogba in to play next to Fernandez. I think that is their best rotation in the midfield. And I think they're better off to play three up top, whether that be Martial through the middle or Cavani through the middle. I think one of those misses out. I think Mason Greenwood and Rashford play no matter what. Um, so I, I can't see Donny breaking into this team if they're full strength. Um, I think you keep him for substitute appearances, cup games, and if anyone falls out of form or is missing. I think I've covered all those questions. What do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think I think there's a lot you can do with that. So um, I think it all comes down to whether or not Ollie can coach it. Like I think there's not one shape that you can play. Like you go to three at the back and have Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof and Maguire and then potentially put in like a Tellez or move him higher and play to Anzabi, but then you don't have to fit the midfielders in. I don't, I don't like the idea of fitting the midfielders in. Um, I think Ollie picks his shape. And then goes with it, but for the argument's sake, I think you could have Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire, and then I'd play Tellez over Shaw, um, assuming that Tellez beats COVID. Like the stats are for a person his age aren't bad. Um, then potentially, I think you could put Pogba, Pogba and Donny at the two sixes. But I think what you have to accept there is that it might take a little while to gel. So I think I genuinely think Donny's a, Donny Van Der Beek is a footballer. Like, outside of these other guys who are like, oh, I play six, I play four, I play three. If you put Donny van der Beek anywhere on the pitch and you say, Donny, learn to play seven, like, in a couple of weeks, I guarantee he'll be good at it. 
You'll concede so many goals if you play with Donny and Pogba at the base of the midfield and don't protect that back four. You'll go back to um, the results you're getting at Spurs if you play those two. I think the difference is there is Donny is so much better at keeping the ball. So you've got the ball more. Like you're not you're not having so much transition with Fred's wayward passing or McTominay's fucking absolute howlers. Like you're actually holding onto the ball there and you're putting the teams under more pressure. Um, so I, th- I think you sort of turn the game on its head a little bit because you're better at keeping the ball. So you don't have to give the back four as much protection. Um, so, but obviously that's it wouldn't work straight away. Um, but I think I think it's feasible. And the other thing I was thinking was maybe you could play like a Carlo Ancelotti type flat four four two. Yeah. Um, and play Pogba on the left and give him a bit of a license to roam around, play Donny and Fernandez in the guts, potentially tell Rashford he can go out on the right and play Mason Greenwood and Martial up front. Um, but again, you'd have to give like Martial and Greenwood some interchangeability, but you could go with Carlos 4-4-2 and try that because that would give you the protection in the banks of four, but you'd be quite defensive as well. Yeah, well, there's a bunch of options there um, and a few things for Ollie to try. The only thing with those options and a few things to try is it takes time. And at the moment, I don't think Ollie has much time. So I can't see him sort of rolling out different things every week and, and seeing what sticks because, um, yeah, he, as you say, if he, if, if um, Donnie and Pogba at the base need time to gel, he just doesn't have the time. He'll, he'll get sacked before that, that actually gels, I think. so. Yeah. Mm. But I think anything you do, like, as you said, it's going to take – so there's two things that need. You need time and you need to actually do some coaching. And the one thing that's really pissing me off with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer right now is when things are going downhill, you don't see him coaching. Mm. Like, he just sits in the sits there looking at his iPad. I don't know what he's got on his iPad, or if it's like Candy Crush or, like, potentially like yourself just monitoring the US election. But, like, it just – Get down and coach. Like you see Kloppo running up and down the touchline, bloody doing everything. Like all the best managers in the world right now are like people who are actually out there doing it, and he's not doing any of that. Yep, agreed. So interesting space there. Um, thanks for that email, Roger. <laughs> any more emails or are we on to social? No, we're done. So <laughs> if you want to reach out, it's uh, footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, uh, Facebook, Football Played on Paper, Insta, at Football Played on Paper, Twitter, at Football on Pods. Go, <laughs> go on to um, Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. Uh, greatly appreciated. Um, but, no, look, that's it for me. Um, what a week. Get excited for the Champions League. Yeah, if United don't get it done against um, Bakashir, um, keep an eye on the sky because there will be a plane at some point, I would imagine. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>